0: You know, if uh, you've been to the department store lately, or especially if you were there October 31st, maybe the night of October 31st, you probably noticed that the aisles started to change, didn't they? They went from uh, costumes and candy, you know, black and and orange, to, you know, reindeer and snowmen, right? Uh, Red and green, right? You notice that uh, uh, the Christmas season is upon us, isn't it? Uh, We know that there are some here that, or, and some, you know, out there who have probably already put up their Christmas tree. Right, because they're just so excited anticipating that time of year, and it's probably the fastest couple months of the year, I think, November and December, at least for me. It's just going to fly by, and I've even seen homes in our neighborhood who've already, again, put up their Christmas lights. But here we are today. It's not December yet, right? We're in the middle of November, and sometimes we have to stop and think, isn't there another holiday this month, right? Another important holiday. Maybe you've seen this driving in town or maybe you've seen that meme that's on Facebook. I think it's hilarious of the the turkey who's, you know, he's sitting on Santa Claus and saying, it's not your time, buddy. right? It's still my time uh, because we're in the month of November. And, you know, even in our own home, right, we sort of have this unwritten rule. One of our children has a birthday right around Thanksgiving. And so just to not, uh, you know, toy with that, we say, you know, no Christmas ornaments, no Christmas trees until, you know, the birthday has passed. But, Again, many are rushing towards the holiday season, right? the greatest time of year. You know, some people aren't even looking forward to Thursday, but it's the day after, right? Friday, Black, Black Friday, when all of those gifts uh, come on uh, sale. And so, again, a time where it's known for receiving gifts, conveniently, we are passing by, rushing to, and we're skipping out on that day that was meant for giving thanks, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, in preaching school there was a practicum that we had to take. A Practicum is really a, just a class that you know th- they thought that would be helpful for us, but they didn't want to you know dedicate eight weeks worth of curriculum to. You know maybe it was leadership, management, or counseling, or uh, taxes and money management, something like that. Well, there was a practicum that we took, a one-day practicum called thank you class, a thank you class. And the, the idea was, the objective was that the teacher taught us how to write a thank you card, right? And some of the, the, the uh, students thought that this was sort of a, a joke at first, right? We're really going to spend time learning how to write a thank you card, but, but it wasn't, right? And the importance of giving thanks was stressed so much in that class. And the idea was, listen, slow down. Right? Take some time to think about the people who got you there and, you know, and write them this nice thank you card. Uplift them. Encourage them. And it's probably not a bad idea when you think about it, right? Maybe we all could take a practicum someday on writing thank you cards. Well, of all people, right, of all time, you and I are the most blessed in the world. Right? You just think of the people of the past. right? The rich, the rich of the past don't compare to what we have, the average person has today. Think of Solomon, you know, Solomon, the great king and all his glory didn't have the things that we have, right? Electricity and running water and the ability to go to this thermostat over here and control the temperature in the room to drive from one end of town to the other and not have to waste, you know, a whole day or two to get there. Meals that you can go to the refrigerator and pop in the microwave and you don't have to go out and kill and process on your own, right? We are greatly blessed more than anything today, but with those blessings, God says comes great responsibility, and that responsibility is thanksgiving. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, remember the Apostle Paul wrote, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. He says, when you go to God in prayer, you saturate your prayers with thanksgiving. Tell God that you are thankful. In Colossians chapter 3 that Daniel just read for us, starting in verse 15, again he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Again, Paul says in those three verses, be thankful, right? When you're singing, be thankful. Whatever you do in word or deed, be thankful. And then you turn over to one more letter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. And Paul, you know, he just says here simply, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's my will for you, he says, is to give thanks, to be a thankful people. Friends, we can't just be people this morning that say, God, I want or God help me. But we also need to be people who say, God, thank you. Thank you, God. But again, in our rush, rush culture that we live in today, is that how you and I respond to God? Similar to, you know, going from Halloween to Christmas and we skip over the idea of Thanksgiving. Are we rushing from one blessing to another and not stopping and give the almighty thanks? Friends, a Christian's life ought to surround and revolve around thanksgiving. Well, why? Because we serve a good God. Read Psalm 136 sometime, not not right now, but maybe sometime later. And you're going to notice in those 26 verses that that begins by telling us that we serve a good God. He's going to tell us why in every single one of those verses, why we ought to give thanks. Because he says there... His loving kindness, His mercy is everlasting. That's why we give thanks, because we serve a good God whose everlasting mercy uh, is for us. This time of year, right, the time of year that we're in right now, is, it should make us to stop and slow down and think of just how thankful we, we ought to be. Now, you and I might not re- realize it, and this is sort of the emphasis of this lesson this morning, but our thankfulness or our lack of thankfulness affects others, right? While studying on this idea of thanksgiving over the past couple of weeks, this common situ- situation kept coming up, right? The common scenario, the common uh, context kept coming up in the lessons that I was, was studying. And it's kind of interesting that it was surrounded by the, these lepers, by leprosy. You know, in Scripture, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we have plenty of, um, uh, uh, of these accounts of leprous individuals, right these people who had this debilitating and contagious skin disease and and when we read some of those accounts and we're going to look at a few here in a moment but you notice that some were very thankful when when they were cured some you know just weren't thankful at all and then you had some where you know it took a little time before it hit them but they eventually came around. And maybe there's some sort of correlation there between uh, the leprosy and thankfulness that we could explore at a different time. But, but we're going to look at uh, at least three of those accounts here this morning quickly and kind of notice here this morning that when we don't stop and give thanks, right? when we're rushing from one place to another, we notice who and what we affect. And so this morning, the first thing that I want to notice here is that when I'm rushing through thankfulness, all right, when I'm rushing and getting to my next phase uh, in life, that, that I affect my relationship number one with myself. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 this morning. And we'll look at a couple of them here in 2 Kings. But 2 Kings chapter 5, you have a man by the name of Naaman. Uh, maybe you're familiar with Naaman. Here's a, a man who was a leper, one man. Starting here in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 5, says that now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and, and highly respected, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And the man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. This man, the captain of the, the, Ar, the Aram army, or maybe your translation says the Syrian army, he was a very important man, but we're told here in verse 1 that he was a leper. And we're not going to read this whole account, but you remember, right? He, he, uh, he finds out that there's this This prophet in Israel, one of his one of the the slaves of his household, this little girl says, you know what? I wish my master could go to Israel because there's a prophet there who could cure you of your leprosy. And so he goes to his boss, the king, and says, listen, uh, can you send me to Israel to go and and to visit this prophet so that he can cure me of my leprosy? And so he gets a letter from the king. He gets permission from the king to go to Israel. He comes to Israel. Uh, He goes to the king. Not the prophet, but he goes to the king and says, listen, I- I'm a leprous man. Please cure me of this. Right? And the king doesn't know what to do. Right? He, remember, he tears his clothes. He's upset. He's wondering, why are you coming to me? But eventually he gets to Elisha. Right? He- he's the great prophet in the land at this time, Elisha. And you drop down to verse 10, and it says, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. Sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Right, Elisha gives the advice, gives the instructions to Naaman. Go and dip in the Jordan River seven times, cleanse yourself, and then you will be cleansed from this leprosy. But notice here Naaman's reaction in verse 11. But Naaman was furious and he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of, his, of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Paraphar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Do you notice Naaman's attitude here? That's not how I would have done it. Right? Seven times? That's ridiculous. right? That's not how I would have done it. Now if you know the account, you know in the next few verses that he's going to calm down. He's going to follow the instructions of Elisha. And he's going to be cleansed of his leprosy. But have you ever reacted this morning like Naaman? Or, or know someone who has reacted like, like Naaman in a similar situation? Right? Instead of being thankful for the, the information that he was receiving how to be cleansed, he had an attitude of, well, that's not how I would have done that. Or, or that's not how I like it. Right? Um, You know, I've never worked in the service industry, maybe, uh, you know, the restaurant or anything like that. But I can imagine that that's what they go through all the time, right? Dealing with people uh, who sort of have that attitude of, you know, that's not how I would have cooked it or that's not how I would have brought that out. And sometimes maybe you and I, we can feel a little entitled from time to time. Right? That's what Naaman's doing here. How selfish Naaman looks in this situation. Right? He says, the river's back home. Uh, they're cleaner than this Jordan river that you want me to dip seven times. Right? And now he's insulting the people. You know, he says, what an inconvenience. Seven times? I thought surely you would just wave your hand over me and say a couple of magic words and I would have been cleansed. Right? Uh, the arrogance of Naaman in this situation. You know, again, he's an important man. I've got things to do. Uh, rush, rush. You get to verses 15 and 18, and it isn't until after he's cleansed of his leprosy that we sort of see in Naaman be a little thankful for what had just taken place for him. But again, here is a man who is in such a rush, right? A me, 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 that he displayed selfishness. Right? He, he didn't display thankfulness in this situation. And again, that's the exact opposite of how Jesus Christ calls you and I to live our lives. Let's look at another one. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. Just a couple of chapters later, uh, we got another account dealing with lepers. Uh, not just one this time, but four. Maybe this one you're not as familiar with. But uh, here in 2 Kings chapter 7, listen, there's this great famine that's going on in the land. Again, Elisha is the great prophet. And there's a famine, right? No one can find food. And you get to hear verse 3, and it says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another... Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. And if we sit here, we will also die. Now, therefore, come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. And if they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, we will die. Right. So you got four lepers who are living outside the camp of the city. Uh, they're saying, listen, there's no food. There's no point of just staying here. We're going to die anyways. Uh, We can't go into the camp of Israel because they're not going to let us in. So let's go to our enemies. Let's see if they'll at least let us in. Maybe they'll be kind to us and give us something to eat. But if not, you know, they'll just kill us. Right. So uh, we lose either way. And so they decide to go to the camp of the Arameans. And then look at verses six and seven. For the Lord had caught. Well, back up to verse five. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. And when they come out to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp, just as it was, and they fled for their lives." So, again, here they are. They, they go to the camp of the Arameans, their, their enemies, and there's no one there. And it's especially important that we note there in verse 4 that it says that, that, that God caused them to flee, right? That God caused this, uh, this sound, this great sound, that they thought their enemies were coming, and so they fleed. They left everything there. And then we get here to verses uh, 7, or excuse me, in verse 8, it says that, that these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp They entered one tent and ate and drank, and carried from there silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them, and then returned and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid them. You get the idea here that these four lepers, uh, they're having a ball, aren't they? They're going from tent to tent, just uh, filling up on food and drink and gold and treasure and all of these things, going out and hiding it, burying it, going back to another tent and looting it. And then look at verse 9, because something came to their minds. It says, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. They realized that they were not doing right. They realized that there was a great blessing that happened this day. They realized that God had made their enemies flee and they decided, You know what? Let's go back to our camp. Let's go back to Israel. Let's tell the people of this great news. And again, here is another example of individuals who are rushing to conclusions. Right? This great blessing has taken place and God caused their enemy to flee. And they took advantage with no regard to their, their, their people, right? their, their nation back there. They kept silent, the text says. They kept silent for a time. Right? There was no thankfulness in that, 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 that attitude. But then they realized this is a day of good news. Let's go back and share this news. Let's go back and let them know that there's food here at this camp. They had an opportunity to impact more people than themselves. Friends, again, a thankful and grateful attitude can affect others. And then finally, one more leprous uh, account, and this one's in Luke chapter 17. So let's go to the New Testament, Luke chapter 17, because we also want to notice here this morning that rushing through thankfulness also affects my relationship with God. It affects my relationship with myself. It affects my relationship with others. But it also affects my relationship with God. Maybe this one's more familiar to you. Uh, I know we study this quite a bit during this time of year. Uh, I often like the title a lesson based on these passages, An Attitude of Ingratitude. But notice here in Luke chapter 17, let's just read the whole account, starting in verse 11. While Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. Ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who remained to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. So again, that's the idea here, right? We, we have these ten leprous men outside of the camp. They see Jesus coming and they cry out, Mercy! Jesus, have mercy on us! Master, have mercy on us! And Jesus simply tells them to go show themselves to the priest. Well, this would have sounded odd to an individual who is leprous, right? You only go to the priest if you're cured of your leprosy, but because that, required, that was required for them to come back into the camp, they had to get checked out to make sure they didn't have it anymore. But they go, they obediently go as directed, and we're told as they were going, they were cleansed. But, and here's the point of this lesson, nine of them kept walking. They kept walking, but one, a foreigner, a Sumerian, came back and gave thanks. And that's such a powerful uh, verse there where Jesus, the words of Jesus, where he says, were there not ten cleansed, but, but the nine, where are they? Friends, our Lord can count. He can count. Don't you hear the disappointment in his words, in those verses? It's sort of like a parent Right, you do a great thing for your children. You you you, uh, you know you bake this great meal, or you do this great project for them, and you're like, man, at least give us a thanks. You know, uh, that's what. Can I at least get a thank you? Yes, maybe those nine were overwhelmed with joy as they were walking away. But friends, this passage tells us God expects thanks. He expects us to thank Him. You know, He equated in this these verses giving thanks. To glorifying God. And don't we want to glorify God in this life? And friends, if only one comes back to give thanks in this life, it ought to be Christians. Those are the ones who ought to give thanks. So why are we rushing through our thanksgiving? Why are we rushing through our thanks? You know, we could point to many uh, different reasons here this morning. Someone might say, if I asked you, you know, why do people rush through this? Someone might say, well, we're just too busy and distracted these days, right? Modern life is always on the go. Our calendars are so full. And even if we have a spot on our calendar with some, you know, time off, we're going to find a way to fill that because that's just the way our culture is. That's the feeling of that. We always have to be busy, always have to be on the go. And that makes it difficult, as the song we just sang says, to count our many blessings. Well, somebody might say, well, we just live in a materialistic culture, and that's the reason, right? It can be a challenge to just stop and give thanks in this consumeristic society at a time when relationships and experiences were the norm and were the things that were coveted. Today, we've replaced those things with stuff, right? I I need to accumulate more stuff. You might ask somebody else, and they'll say, well, we compare ourselves to others, too much, And that's why we don't give thanks. You know, in a day of social media where, you know, people are posting, you know, just all the great things that are going on in their lives and they don't post the things that, you know, uh, the, the negative and bad things. And we look at that and we say, man, I'm comparing myself to them, to their life and saying, man, they've got it good. And then we feel inadequate and it prevents us from giving thanks. It prevents us from, from giving God the glory to the things that he has blessed us with. Or maybe another person might say, well, we just have this negative bias in the world today. And again, instead of focusing on what we have, we focus on what we don't have. And Satan's great at that, isn't that, isn't he? I mean, all the way to the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, I mean, that was his focus, wasn't it? It, it was to get, you know, God said, listen, you can eat of any fruit of the tree in the Garden of Eden, but not this one. And that's what Satan focused on, didn't he? And that's what the, he got Eve to, to want, the one that she couldn't have. But here, this morning, uh, I know those are great points. Those are great points why we rush through thanksgiving, why we rush to give thanks to God, or why we neglect giving thanks to God. But the, the number one reason that I want to give you, and again, this is my personal opinion, but the number one reason why I believe that, we're, that we rush, 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 and lack in our thanks comes from Psalm 46. Turn with me to Psalm 46, and then the lesson will be yours this morning. And, uh, I often refer to um, this verse here, Psalm 46. Uh, we're going to look at verse 10 in particular. Uh, I often refer to this as one of those Hobby Lobby verses, right? You walk into Hobby Lobby and you, know, you can buy this verse on a picture frame or on something uh, because you know, it's probably a verse that you're familiar with. But in Psalm 46, verse 10, your translation probably says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, my translation, New American Standard, says, Cease striving and know that I am God. But that's the idea here, right? Stop what you're doing and take this seriously, right? Take notice. Uh, God's people were commanded to do this in the Old Testament. Be still and know that I am God. Well, what does it mean to be still? Uh, he's not talking here about restricting our mobility. Right. It's not like we're playing freeze tag and you get tagged and you got to just freeze here and not move. Uh, that's not what the, the psalmist is saying here. But he says, be still and know that I am God. Right. The idea here uh, when you study this this Hebrew word, be still, the idea here is to become slack, to to let drop, to, to weaken and to weaken or to let or to become slack or to let drop the idea that I am God, right? That, that, that he is infinite and that I am finite. That should cause you and I to, to relax, right? To become slack, to, to, to stop, to, to chill out. But sadly, many people in today's society just can't be still, right? They, they've got to do it all. And they, when they do that, they don't give glory to God. They thrive on the, threat of the, on the sweat of their own brow. Right, That one leper, Naaman, he knew better, didn't he? Uh, he knew how it should have went, but God had different plans. Those four lepers, uh, initially, they only saw to their own needs. They had to stop and think a while that, hey, this is a day of good news. Let's go and bless some other people. And those nine lepers, they didn't need to thank God. right? They just kept on walking. Friends, our attitude of thanks this morning, whether we realize it or not, affects others. And so here in Psalm 46, verse 10, this verse encourages us to reflect on what God can do and what I can't do. Be still and know that I am God. As Thanksgiving draws near in the next couple of days, do we truly understand what that day is really all about? It's not only a time of the three F's, right, family, family. Food and football, but, but it, more importantly, it's about genuine gratitude. In our busy lives, we often forget to give thanks, even for the, the simplest of things. However, that day, or maybe even this whole week, allows us the tendency to get out of that mindset, right? To slow down, to stop, and remember that when we rush through our thanksgiving, when we rush through our thankfulness, that we are affecting myself, right? My attitude, we are affecting others. And we're not blessing others, possibly, and we are affecting our relationship with God. Because remember, he, he can count. He's looking for us to stop and to give thanks to Him. I encourage all of us this week to you know, take a step back this week and from the rush and instead embrace the spirit of thankfulness. Right? By being still, be still and know that I am God. By doing that, we can truly appreciate the blessings bestowed on us. And again, the idea of this, you know, this set holiday in November that we celebrate Thanksgiving to its core, it's a day that emulates that, that one leper that came back, right? the gratitude of that one leper, expressing our heartfelt thanks to our Creator. But again, this isn't something that we just do one day of the, the year, but it's something that should be every day of the year. Let us seek to cultivate a a stronger sense of contentment in our lives, to live within our means. And let this remind us again to pause and reflect and give thanks with a full heart. I'm going to leave you with one last verse Psalm 100 and verse 4. And again, notice here as the psalmist here mentions here in verse 4 of Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and bless his name. And friends, that's the, the idea of the lesson this morning. Let's just take the time this week to stop, to slow down and to give thanks. And this morning, as we offer the invitation, maybe this morning uh, your life is a little, going a little too fast. Right? It's going uh, so fast, in fact, that it's, it's obscuring your relationship with God. You don't know the last time that you just stopped and gave thanks. And maybe this morning you want to do things right. right? Maybe you want this morning to make a commitment to be better at serving the Lord, at giving Him thanks. Again, in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Maybe that's what you want in your life, and that's what God expects of you. And maybe you want to make that change this morning. Maybe you want to recommit to Him. And we would love to pray for you uh, to do that here this morning. Or, or maybe this morning you're here with us and maybe you're not a Christian. You know, maybe, uh, again, the idea of thankfulness and thanksgiving is just something you've never contemplated before. There's no greater thanksgiving that we could give to the Lord than taking our sins away. Right? To have them washed in the, the baptistry back here, in, in the waters of baptism, to be immersed for the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible tells us when we do that, when they, well, when they asked in the first century, what do we need to do to, to, uh, to make uh, make to, uh, what we uh, messed up with? And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, and maybe that's you this morning, maybe you're ready to put Christ on the baptism. We would love to help assist you with that as well, as together we stand and sing this song of encouragement.